0: Hey, good morning. My name is Ben. Welcome to Four Corners. That is Earth to Echo and ET meets uh, Transformers, um, meets Goonies. Um, that, that's kind of what this is all about. It's going to be a really uh, interesting and fun, I think, family flick. Although, if you take your kids and it has inappropriate material, I haven't seen it yet, so uh, don't blame me, all right? Uh, let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. Uh, in our God on Film message series today, we're going to talk about being connected. Being connected. In this film, These uh, friends get together, they find this object, and they need to figure out what it's all about. And so together, not alone, they can't do it by themselves, they set out, they make a deep connection with each other, they make a deep connection outside of their own sphere with the reality way outside the world. Now with that little bit of a setup, I bet you can figure out where I'm going in our message series today because the Bible talks a lot about our connections. It talks about our connection with each other. A good portion of our New Testament deals with the connection of people with each other. But it also talks about our connection to God, our connection to God, how that is to happen, why it should happen, and how we can participate in, with uh, our, connection, how we can partic- participate with God in our connection with Him. So connections is a really, really big deal in the Bible. In fact, we could say it this way if we wanted to kind of do it in shorthand. We could say that uh, in one sense your being a Christian or not, that is, your being a follower of Jesus or not, is all about your connection. It's all about who you're connected to. So maybe you've heard it uh, put something like this, that in a relationship with God, there are two primary ways people attempt to connect. They either attempt to connect with God through religion, through a set of obligations, a set of forms and uh, rituals and customs, through through religion. Or they attempt to connect with God through a relationship. A relationship, as the Bible describes it, to the Heavenly Father through His Son Jesus, the one and only way to have a connection with the Father. And so it's really, really honest to say that we can only have a connection to God because of a relationship with Jesus. Now, a few years ago, uh, Ronald Reagan. And I always try to squeeze in as many Reagan uh, quotes as I can in a message. A few years ago, Ronald Reagan said this. He said that some people spend their whole lives wondering if they're making a difference. But that's not a problem if you're a Marine. Now, that has absolutely nothing to do with connections, but it does have to do with some people in our church that are deeply connected. See, I think some people spend their whole lives trying to figure out if they're making a difference, but for Four Corners volunteers, especially those that are serving in kids right now, they don't have that problem. They don't have to wonder if they're making a difference, because right now, while we're in this room, there are a group of people on the other side of this wall and on the other side of that wall who are connecting deeply and honestly, and in, in, in an amazing way, they're connecting not only deeply and honestly, but they're connecting in fun and meaningful ways with our students, with kids, preschools over here and kids over here, and those connections that they're making help every one of us that are parents in this room. It helps every one of us that aren't parents in this room that believe in what God's doing in the world because those connections being made outside of these walls right now are going to plant seeds in those kids' lives. And the connections that they're having happen in this very moment are going to produce fruit in their lives on and on and on. It's going to produce and uh, fruit in their personal lives. It's going to produce fruit in the world. It's going to produce fruit in our church Connections are very, very important, and some people understand that, how important the connections are, and so they're careful, they're conscious about their connections that they're making, and when they are, they can leverage them for greater impact, for deeper connection, for real significance in those relationships. So I want to take you to a handful of places in the Bible where uh, we, we, we learn about the types of connections that we're encouraged to have as followers of Jesus. So our first passage today is Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. Even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Rome and he says, of course we're all individuals. You have your own identity and when you come to Christ you don't lose that. But even though we're individuals with our own identities and goals and experiences and histories, what God does is a spiritual thing, and he brings us together, not as just individuals, but as one body. As many individuals who come together, connected to each other. And so in some places in the New Testament, the, uh, the Apostle Paul kind of teases out what it means to be one body. He, he, he talks to us about what it means to be spiritually connected. So there are about a handful of metaphors he uses to help us understand this. And I think by unpacking them just a little bit, what we can do is we can understand just how rich and powerful and meaningful and special it is to be connected. So here's our first metaphor. What it means to be spiritually connected, it's like being built into a building. This is one of the ways that our New Testament unpacks what it means to be connected, So Ephesians, again from Paul, chapter 2, verse 22, here's what he says. And in him, in Jesus, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When the Bible begins to unpack what does it mean to be connected to God and to each other, what does it mean that we're individuals, yet not just individuals, we're one body? One of the images that we're given to help understand that mystery, that specialness, is the image of a building. And we're sitting in one right now. Now Maybe you don't think about it, but this building is made up of many component parts. There are metal studs behind the drywall that you see. There's drywall on front of them. In this particular room, there's some acoustical coating on the half wall and on the ceilings. There's conduit and there's pipe running through it. There's a massive air conditioner, very expensive, right up here on the other side of my my head, right, right here behind me. There's all kinds of things that have come together And a lot of times we'll enter buildings, we're not conscious of all the different component parts, but together they function as one unit. In fact, any one of the metal studs behind the drywall on this wall by themselves, they're somewhat rigid and somewhat strong enough to support weight, but on their own, any one stud can't support much. But you start screwing them together appropriately, putting the proper bracing in place, And individual studs that can hold a certain load now become one unit that can hold significantly more than any one piece can on its own, or also significantly more than any one piece added to one piece added to one piece. When you actually fit them together properly, the studs and the steel beams become an incredible unit of strength. And so the Apostle Paul says this, that... In Christ, those of us that are individuals who have a relationship with Him, whether we know it or not, whether we maximize it or not, whether we're enjoying it or not, what we really are is we're a building that has been fit together. And in that building, God dwells. God lives in the building. Now, because this is a metaphor, let me tell you what Paul's not saying. He's not saying that physically God lives in the building called the church. You know, the the church building that you drive by when you see the green sign on 75. If you were to come here on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and walk around, you're not going to find God in the building. That's not the building he's talking about, but all of us together, knit together, fit together by God's Spirit, God then dwells among his people in the same way that we can inhabit a building. And he begins... By talking about this building, and if you back up just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 21, he gives us a little bit more about what it means to be a building. He says this, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And all this language is building language. We have foundations. We have cornerstones that are set first as you're building a cathedral to make sure that it's going to be square and literally sit uh, appropriately upon the foundation. And then verse 21 says this, in Him, in Christ Jesus, who's the cornerstone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. We come together then and we're fit together. Now, you you may not have thought about it this way. You may have only, because of where you are or because you, you didn't know this stuff in the Bible, you may have only been focusing on your individual relationship with God. Now, that's appropriate. I mean, you need to be healthy and vibrant in your individual relationship with God. But the Bible says that's not all that there is. There's another whole dimension that often isn't explored, and that is how do you fit together with everybody else? How do you fit together with everybody else? It's interesting that in buildings, a disconnected piece of the frame has no support. A disconnected piece of the frame has no support. Again, you pull one of the studs from behind the drywall out. In and of itself, that stud isn't very strong. Take one girder here in the ceiling, and in and of itself, it can't support all that much weight. But you put it together make it a part of a larger unit, and then that stud, that girder, that follower of Jesus then gains a strength, becomes part of something bigger than itself, can produce more, has a place of belonging and purpose that goes beyond just their own, just beyond its own functionality. This is exactly why the Apostle Paul, in trying to get the followers of Jesus in the Bible, In the New Testament times, to understand what it meant to be in the body of Christ, to be a member with Christ, to be a part of something bigger, to be connected beyond themselves. This is exactly why he uses the metaphor of a building. Because he wants us to understand that we too, like a building, like the parts of a building, are fit together. That together we're stronger than we'll ever be alone. That together our purpose, our identity is more fully realized. And of course, each individual component needs to be healthy and strong. But together, we can do so much more. So when Paul's trying to help us understand by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he's writing these letters that become our Bible, what it means to be spiritually connected, he says it's like being built into a building. But here's another way that he describes it. He says it's like being joined in a body. It's like being joined in a body. Again, to that same Church at Ephesus, he writes these words just a few chapters later. Ephesians chapter four verse twenty-five. He says, "Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body." It's interesting what he says here. He's trying to urge people to tell the truth, to not lie, to not put up false fronts, not to be uh, pretentious, but to speak the truth to one another. He says, and here's here's why that's important. Because you don't function alone. I mean, if you were to function alone, do all you can to get all that you want to, to maximize what you believe is the most important and best reality for you. Go ahead and do that. But you're not alone, he says. You're part of one body. That's why it's so important how we treat one another. That's why we can't be lying to each other. We have to tell the truth. I mean, you, you know this. In a marriage where there's two people, where the relationship that they have is uh, significant and important and special and precious? Uh, what happens if they begin to lie to each other? What happens if one has a, a dual identity that the other one doesn't know about or a separate life? Well, you become like some of my family members, no lie. I have a couple family members. They're, they're dear, wonderful people on a, on, a, on a lot of levels. But uh, w- one of my family members, I won't tell you, you know, who, who, not immediate, by the way, kind of extended. We discovered uh, years, years, years later after he had grown up his family, that he had an entire separate family. Uh, as he traveled around, he had like two wives. Now, not legally, but he ended up with two families and, um, you know, two households. And when he would go on these business trips, what he was really doing was visiting. Now, Let me, let me ask, you. what do you think happened to the one that we thought he had when we discovered this other side? All right, it wasn't pretty. It's kind of interesting. Morbidly, we couldn't stop. Like, tell us more, please. How does this function? Uh, but, but what happened was, is the lies, the deception over time, though they could be maintained, eventually began to crumble. And the relationships that he did have couldn't sustain that kind of falsehood and, and duality. So Paul says, because we are a body, because we come together, because we're joined together, we're not separate but one, how we treat each other is incredibly important. So you've got to tell the truth to one another. He, he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, he says, for just as each of us has one body with many parts or members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And he goes straight for the metaphor of the human body. He says, you know, I have fingers and toes and legs and arms, and in and of themselves it's very odd to separate them. I mean, if, if I were to take a hand and kind of lay it up here, put it on... By itself, that's kind of odd. It's strange looking. But a hand fit to an arm connected to a body, now that hand can function and work together. And how incredibly stupid it would be for a finger to say to the hand, look, I don't really need you. You're not important to me. And how dumb it would be for a toe to say, hey guys, I'm going to go and do my own thing. Because separated from the body, their purpose, their identity isn't fully realized. And though it may feel empowering for an individual component of the body to say, I'm out to do my own thing, once you separate from the body, there's a problem. Typically, death ensues, all right? So in Colossians, again, Paul, who's teasing out these metaphors, he says to us in chapter 2, verse 19, they have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. In Colossians, Paul's describing a situation where parts of the body of Christ have pulled away. And he says, Here's what that's like it's like a part of your body being separated from your head, the control center of your body, when you walk away from a relationship with God and the body of Christ. And so when you're disconnected, it's to some degree not useful in the way that it was. It harms materially the whole body, and it harms materially the specific one that's separated. Because the truth is, in a body, a disconnected part dies. That's what happens. In a body, a disconnected part dies. It struggles. And through modern science, if somebody were to be injured and maybe accidentally, with a saw, cut off a finger or something, in an appropriate amount of time, you can bring that part back together, sew it up, and because it gets reconnected, it can heal. This is exactly the imagery that Paul's alluding to when he wants us to think about how special it is that we can be connected to one another. Not only are we connected to God through his son Jesus, we get to be connected to one another. It's like a building, it's like a body, it's also like being attached to a vine, being attached to a vine. Now, when Jesus was trying to get his followers to understand what it was to be connected, this was the metaphor that he went to. He went to the image of a vineyard, a plant that has roots in the soil and a stalk coming up out of the soil and then branches coming out or vines coming off off the branches, being Connected spiritually is like being attached to a vine. So Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse four and five, he says, remain in me, remain connected to me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. So Jesus looks at his followers right in the eyes and he says, here's the deal. You're connected to me. And so do what you can to remain in me. Remain connected. Because if you get disconnected from me, the branch is going to wither. The vine's going to wither. It's not going to produce fruit. It's not going to do what it's supposed to do. So the way to understand my connection to you, Jesus says to his followers, is this. I'm, I, I'm like the center, and you branch off from me. So stay connected. Stay close. It's a powerful metaphor to understand this principle of connectedness. Paul picks up on it, and in Romans chapter 8, he says these words. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. Paul says that there's a, a functioning God's Spirit where he communicates to us that we're connected to that root, that we are offsprings of that root, and We see the blending of a couple metaphors here. There's both the idea that we're connected to a vine, and then there's the idea that we're also offspring from that vine in the same way that children are offspring from their parents. That this is part of the function of the Holy Spirit. What He wants us to understand, what He wants us to to, to learn, is that we are connected. I'm taking a lot of time to push just how clearly the Bible says that we're connected. Now let me tell you why. I'm doing this because in our culture, it seems like maybe more than any other time in, in human history. That, that's my observation from reading and studying Christian history and, 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 and Western civilization. It seems like in America, in the Western world, at this point in time, we are more individualistically minded than maybe at any other time in history. Our technology allows us to rarely leave the home. We don't have to leave to shop. We don't have to leave to be entertained. We don't have to leave to, to have, uh, you know, learning. We can do a lot of our learning right at home. And our individualism grows. In, in, in fact, in, in America, in the rugged individualism is a value that we prize. And it's true that as an individual, you are responsible for yourself. You can't be waiting on everybody else to do all that you would like them to do so that you could be happy. That, that's the definition of, uh, of insanity. You're going to run yourself crazy waiting on everybody else to make you happy. So you as an individual, you matter. But when the Bible wants to talk about our value and worth, it almost always couches it in terms of how we're connected to other people. The fact that we belong, that we're integrated together. And And I, and I think that that in churches like ours, where, where, when you walk in and it looks like we have it all together and you, you look around and the band is phenomenal and kids ministry is, is popping and hospitality looks great, it's really easy to think that you know, you could, your, your role is to walk in and kind of absorb what's offered that kind of just magically happens. But what you don't see a lot of times is behind the scenes and those of you that serve, you know this is true. That behind the scenes, there are a group of people. There isn't one or two individuals. There's a group of people that have come together. And together, they're working on creating a place where, in, in our language, people can come and experience real love now. I mean, if you serve on a team around here, you know that it's only through the connectedness that the specialness of a place like this even happens. And so you take this rugged individualism that is Americana, and and, and you take the idea that a lot of us are a little kind of selfish, let me just say this about me, sometimes I can be a little selfish as I engage the different environments of my life, and maybe you're not fully aware that it takes a, a fully committed individual member being part of a team to pull off something like this, And then church then becomes not something that I'm a part of, not something that I'm essential to, not something where I'm a part of the whole, but it becomes something that if it works for me, good. If it doesn't, that's fine as well. It's not all that essential. But do you understand that in the New Testament, there was no individual Christians doing their own thing. That that just wasn't the reality. There was always the body of Christ gathering together. And it literally was always communal. Of course, individuals connected to Christ because each individual stands by themselves and will stand by themselves before God and answer the question, why should I let you into heaven? And through your own efforts or through the merits of my son Jesus, each of us will answer that question individually. But on this earth, we live our lives always, according to the New Testament, in union together. And I think that's a, a push It's a commitment that we have to make for ourselves to be a part of the whole. And what I want you to understand today is that of course you can come to a place like this and get your individual fix. and Especially if you're coming wounded and broken, as we all are, sometimes you have to come just for you. But understand that for us to be the church that God has called us to be, to make the impact that he's called us to make in this world, we need you. I mean, you're not auxiliary to what we do you're not ancillary to the movement of what god wants to do in north cincinnati you're a part of the whole and one or two pieces can be missing we could pull one stud or two out of the walls and we're going to be just fine you start pulling multiples out you start taking out you know eight nine of these girders in this room And now we got a problem you start lopping off parts of the body, and the body doesn't function like it's supposed to. Now, if you're a rugged individual, you say, oh, that doesn't really matter. But if you, get under, if you begin to understand the specialness of connection that the Bible describes for those of us that are following Jesus, how we really are together, if you can remember the specialness of of, of, in the marriage metaphor, of being connected together. Then you begin to get the sense of what God's trying to do in the world by allowing you to have a relationship with Him through His Son, but also knitting you together with other people that the Bible calls our brothers and sisters. So in the metaphor of the vine, on plants, a disconnected branch can't bear fruit. We're called to bear fruit for Christ with our lives. But it's this metaphor of the family that I want to turn to right now that really, really, I think, pushes this to great clarity. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul writes these words. He says to Timothy, the young pastor that he's trying to mentor, If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. God's household is the church. It's the church of the living God. and The household that becomes the pillar and the foundation of truth. It's the joined together ones that becomes that church. Paul writes again to the Romans, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had. So what mind did Christ had? He had this mind. So that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, in a a family, a disconnected member feels unloved. In a building, a disconnected frame has no support. In a body, a disconnected part begins to die. On a plant, a disconnected branch doesn't bear fruit. And in a family, a disconnected member feels unloved. Eventually, the very love of God that compelled that relationship eventually begins to dissipate. Now, not from God's perspective, but from our experience. And so connectedness is just essential to what we do. If you don't think of yourself as essential to this local church body, I challenge you to jump into God's word. Consider what God says about your role in the larger body of Christ. We really do need you. We can't be all that God's called us to be. We can't bear all the fruit he's called us to bear. Without you... Stepping into your role as a part of us, it would break my heart as a father if one of my sons or my daughter were to look at me and say, I don't feel like I need to be a part of this family anymore. That's exactly the way our Heavenly Father looks at us when people feel like they don't have to be connected to one another anymore. Now, sometimes that happens because of rugged, individuals, rugged individualism. Let's talk about the other side of the coin. Sometimes that happens because of deep wounding that happens anytime you bring people together. You know, one of the challenges of being, in the metaphor of a vine, a part, of a, a part of a larger plant, is that if one part of the plant gets ill, catches some type of disease, it's uh, infested with, with insects, then sometimes that can bleed over to other parts that were otherwise healthy. Sometimes a perfectly valid and strong stud can be damaged as the other ones around begin to give way. And sometimes parts of a family, when they connect to one another, they bring pain and challenge. So sometimes it's not rugged individualism that causes us to disconnect. It's pain or the fear of pain or the memory of pain or in hopes of avoiding pain. And that's why God says to us in Paul's words in Romans chapter 15, we have to be very careful here to accept one another. Just as Christ has accepted us in order that we can bring praise to God, there's something about the way that we embrace one another, even knowing our faults and foibles. And when we do that, what actually happens is we glorify God and we strengthen the body. One more passage. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in the first letter, chapter one. He says, "I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you bring that you be perfectly united in mind and thought." And this is not to say that you can't have opinions. In fact, you should. And we should disagree about certain parts. I mean, robust discussion is always a part of family and church and any healthy organization. But there are essential things that bring us together. And on those, we're being encouraged in this passage to stand united as one unit, putting aside the gray matter so that we can focus on the black and white issues with crystal clarity. And in this way, we take our individualism and we submit it to the lordship of Christ because division in Christ's body can bring all kinds of discord and damage. It's such a special thing to be connected to one another. I mean, more important than an adventure on some summer blockbuster. To be connected together in the adventure of living a life with God, storming the gates of hell together, making impact in this world, knowing that our role is essential, that the body of Christ isn't complete with lone members out there in the field not connected to the body, that the building isn't as strong, the vine isn't as fruitful, the family isn't complete. It's so essential that we have to fight hard to protect that unity and that specialness of the connection. When the Apostle Paul was writing all these letters that become our New Testament as the Holy Spirit directed him to do so, there were two major emphases that he focused upon. One was making sure that people understood the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. So a lot of Paul's writings have to deal with the uniqueness of Jesus, the man, the God, the one who gave his life and was resurrected. But the other half of his writing, almost exclusively, deals with this idea of being in unity together under the mission that Christ calls us to. We fight for it. We work hard for it. We protect it. We see our own role in it. We accommodate one another in the middle of it. Because the mission of Jesus in this world doesn't happen if there isn't profound unity. And so I'll say it one more time. You're essential. You may only see yourself as somebody who just comes every every other week, couple times a month, and sits on a seat. We don't, I don't see you that way. You're essential to what we do, whether you serve or not, whether you give or not, or pray or not. And I don't know all that God would like to do with your life in this local body. But I know that if he brought you here, and I don't think it's a mistake that you're here, and I don't think it's an accident, I know that if he brought you here, he doesn't want you on the sidelines. He wants you fully a part of what's happening. And that can look different because we're all individuals with different function and different form. You don't have to look like me, sound like me, talk like me, believe all that I believe. Of course not. But you can and you should, God calls you, to come together and unite with this body to be God's force of change in North Cincinnati. You are essential to what God wants to do in this city. And that's why when my favorite author C.S. Lewis writes he says that we can understand our role in this world much like a ship can understand its role in the navy. There are three major pieces. Each individual ship must be in good working order. That's your individual role. You know, the mechanical systems functioning well, propeller functioning well, steering system, navigation functioning well. But not just individually, Each individual boat must understand where it belongs in the movement, in the armada, across the water. Is it the lead ship, the second ship? Is it on the outside? Is it on the inside? You have to understand how you are in relationship to each other. That's what I'm talking about, the connectedness. You individually healthy and strong and vibrant, but connected and identified together as a part of the whole. And then Lewis says there's a third component that often often gets overlooked. And that is that a navy, an armada just floating around in the water is, is nothing. But when they have a mission, and they're going someplace with intentionality, then when each individual boat is in good working order, and when they know their place among the larger fleet, when those two things are happening, and then they finally they have a crystal clear mission of what God wants to accomplish in the world with them, and then they're unstoppable. Then they're a force to be reckoned with. And all three things are essential. So so let me ask you the, the basic question then. Have you committed yourself to belonging to a spiritual family? Like internally, have you made a conscious decision? God, I know you've called me to be a part of something bigger. A spiritual family, the vine, the building, the body. Have you committed yourself to that? Is it just an add-on, a tack-on? Is it just because we have a good show? Is it just because I don't bore you completely to tears? Is it just because your kids love it and then occasionally get a bounce on bounce houses? Or are you a part of what God is calling this church to be and do in North Cincinnati? Now, the specialness of what God is doing is that he's called us to be connected to himself, to each other, and then he's called these connected people to go out and make a difference in the world. And I want you to be a part of that. So why don't you do this? Why don't you grab out your Connect card and let's take a handful of steps together as a congregation. Next step A, every week for us, deals with that individual component that I've been talking about. So if you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to consider checking next step A right there on your connect card. And it says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. You're accepting what the Bible has said about you, that you're a sinner. I was too, by the way. In fact, I still am. I just, right now happen to be a sinner saved by grace. And that's the same offer that Christ extends to you, to cover your sin by his shed blood. And you put your faith in him and his resurrection. And God then connects you to himself through Jesus. If you want to do that check the box and when the offering bucket comes by at the end of service you put this card in there and we communicate with you you're not joining our church you're not committing to give money you're not joining a team you're just saying i'm putting my faith and trust in jesus and we'll send you some stuff from god's word about what that means or next step b today i'm choosing to be baptized i'm choosing to be baptized you have questions you want to get baptized not sure go ahead and check the box we'll communicate with you answer your questions get you signed up on the next week that we have a baptism service or how about next step c memorizing romans chapter 12 verse 5 one of the verses we use as a way of just remembering how special it is to be connected to god and each other even though we are many individuals christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other or how about next step d join with me to pray this prayer each morning this week. God, help me to love in such a way that those around me feel accepted, and help me to work with others towards your agenda and not my own. I'm asking you to lay down just some of that rugged individualism and submit to the larger cause of Christ by working with other folks. Or how about next step, E? I want to find a place to use my gifts at Four Corners have a 4C leader contact me. If you're not yet on a team, I'd like you to pray about that. And you can check the card, and you're not necessarily making a commitment to absolutely do it, but you're going to begin to explore. And we'd like to help you figure out how God's wired you up and where you fit into this body. So you can check that box, put the card in the offering bucket, and one of our leaders will be in touch with you to have an honest and straightforward conversation with you, listen to your passions and concerns, and hopefully find you a place to serve and be a part of this body. Let's pray about these things right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have saved me and so many of my brothers and sisters in this room, that individually we're right with you. But God, beyond that, you have knit us together, a bunch of imperfect, failing, flawed individuals that you have knit together into your body. We're connected to you. We're a family. We're a building. But not just those static things. We are a force in this world. We have a mission to make a difference. And together, we're able to do that in ways that individually we never could. Thank you for that privilege to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Now, Lord, I want to pray for my friends in this room who do not yet have a relationship with you. But right now, they're declaring, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. Wash away my sin." I put my faith and trust in what you did on the cross and in your resurrection to secure a relationship with God. God, I pray for those of us in this room that haven't fully identified as being a part of the family of God. We've known it conceptually maybe, but we haven't let our actions fully demonstrate that that's a commitment we've made. I pray that we would grow in that. And this prayer, this message, would be the beginning of that. I pray for those that are going to identify themselves as people who would like to ask what's my role in this church how can i be a part of what god's doing here and i pray for all of us god that the mission you put in front of us to impact this region with your message with real love now that we'd be effective that we'd be bold that we wouldn't hold back but we would do all that you've called us to do i pray this in the name of jesus the strong and holy son of god amen amen